Hi, everyone. I'm here with Sonny, and Sonny is the president of Tech Coast Angels. I'm really excited that uh, you're sharing your time today with us this morning, Sonny, because I have the utmost respect uh, for who you are as an investor and your role with Tech Coast Angels. But to start out, you know, I would like you to share a little bit about your background, you know, how you got to be where you are, uh, what some people who do know you may not even know. You, you have a PhD in electrical engineering and what took an electrical engineer through the process of becoming an investor and now the president of Techcos Angels. So talk a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so thank you, Jerry, for having me on. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, I, I was actually, I, I think from as far back as I remember, I was always interested in business. And, and this is something not a lot of folks know about me. I come from a business family. My dad's been in business all his life. And he was also an electrical engineer. Oh. Um, and he was coding and, and building systems before the discipline of computer science even existed, right? So he, 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 he was doing wonderful things. He was doing atomic research back in Mumbai, which used to be Bombay back then. And so he was writing code for some of the nuclear research they were doing there at one of the atomic power plants. And so he's always been an entrepreneur. He spun something out of that. And then his business grew very fantastically. I've seen that journey. So for me, being involved in business was something I wanted to do very early on. And I thought doing that would require me to be an engineer, you know, it just assumed. Sure. Obviously not the case. But then um, I took it too far and I got my PhD in engineering. So my undergrad was all computer science and then PhD was, uh, uh, you know, electrical engineering. Essentially, I started out building systems as well. And the way I became an investor was I got involved in a startup during graduate school. And we, we built this medical device. Uh, I was the chief architect for that. And we had a few doctors who were also on the team. And this was at UCLA and, and that device turned out to be commercialized. It went through FDA approval and we had, a, we had an exit. Then that's where I started looking at the other side of the equation and I wanted to invest because there were angel investors who supported us in that journey early on. And then there was some venture funding that came along. So I saw that journey as a founder on the other side. And I was like, oh, I want to do that because it seemed to me as if they were very altruistic and, and trying to help a startup. Obviously, that's not 100% the case, but, but, there, but there is a component of that, right? People, people who invest their own money specifically, maybe not a fund, but specifically angel investors do have some sort of passion and interest for this space. So that motivated me to search for tools and and resources, and that's how I found Tech Coast Angels. Okay, uh, on that journey between that exit and Tech Coast Angels, though, you had some success, I believe. I don't know if you want to share your success, but you had you had some notable success with especially a specific company. If you would like to maybe share that, sure. So um, we we actually had uh, you know before before I even went to grad school, uh, I was an engineer at Lockheed. And he did a lot of um, work on the F-16s, did quite a few of the designs there. So that was very, very, very enlightening and, and, and a moment of pride for me as a, as a young engineer to be able to work on the F-16s and do those designs. That was one big success. The second one was that the startup we had in grad school was acquired, right, by a pretty large firm. Um, and then 
while I was joining Tech Coast Angels, my third success was an IT and cybersecurity company, which I had founded right after you know I, I exited the med tech company, and, and then that was sold in 2020. So 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 basically, I've had three successes. Uh, luckily, uh, three high points that I would say in my career. One very much a personal high point working on the F-16s, and the other two are more business uh, successes. And, and, and that essentially gave me all the business experience I needed to start running an organization, running a business. Um, as an engineer fresh out of school, it was a lot of drinking through the fire hose, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Was there not one other company that you invested in that was uh, became actually? Oh yeah, that yeah. There, there, not just one. There were three actually. Oh, okay. And there were three, but the reason I don't mention those is you know for disclosure reasons. But I can okay. tell you okay. that there were there there was a major exit for TCA recently um, in Procore Technologies, which is a public company now. Um, they're listed on the stock exchange. They're twelve billion dollar market cap right now. Yeah, that's so, and they they pitched to TCA at their pre-seed round, so you can guess the multiple on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, that that's that's fantastic. That was and one of the big ones, but yeah, yeah it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know. I understand. There's certain things you probably don't be, you know, can't or you know. Oh yeah, I mean, so. I can't. Pub- I can obviously tell people privately, but you know, I can't yeah. publicly disclose. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's good, and that shows you have a lot of integrity. Now we. Of course, we actually met via being on some panels together for M Accelerator downtown LA. And one of the things, and we're going to dive into a little bit more about Tech Coast Angels and all that. But one of the things that I was, you know, overly impressed with you, and I've already heard other people comment on it, is that you are you are so accessible, and your attitude when you know listening to the startups, questions, all of that. You know, you are so open to communicating well with the startups and giving them, you know, your attention and your time and support. Talk a little bit about what, you know, why you do that. Well, let me put it this way, Jerry. I, I am still the engineer in graduate school uh, who's talking to his friends about designing systems and about video games and about sports and about everything else. I never quite changed from that. Um, I, I don't know why that is, but I can tell you that I treat everyone on the street just as I would like to be treated. So if I if I meet someone, I try to be polite. Uh, there are limits, obviously. I'm sure, yes. There are limits, you know, because certain people take liberties. Uh, yes. But but I will say that I try to be nice and polite to everyone, mostly because I think when you look at someone who's a startup founder or when you look at someone who's um, just starting a company. I see myself 10, 15 years ago, but also you might be looking at a future successful person. And I don't think it's fair to judge someone because they haven't been given the time of day or they weren't born in the right background or they, they, there could be a multitude of reasons. So I think judging a person because of whatever their circumstance might be is, is just wrong. And, and that's probably one of the biggest things that keeps me, my ego tempered. Uh, people, especially on the investment side, tend to have big egos and think they know everything. Obviously, that's not the case. Uh, in an industry like venture capital or angel investing, where you have like a 90% plus miss rate, right? You can't really say you're a good picker. You can't say you're smart. You can't say any of that. You can say that you do certain things a certain way, and then statistics plays out in your favor, right? 
So anyone who starts becoming too egotistical, I think they become, they're just pulling the wool over their own eyes and and they think they're smarter than everyone else. So I've never had that uh, delusion and I doubt that I ever will. So. Yeah. And, and again, it's something that comes across strongly when you're, you know, when we've been on the panels, I've just been always impressed with that, that, you know, your openness and friendliness and candor and, and the manner in which you treat the startups, I think is, you know, highly commendable. So let, let, let's get into the personal side of your investing first, uh, because then we'll go into the Tech Coast Angels. But, uh, but, you know, over those years when you were doing your own investment in companies, what were you looking for? Is there a specific uh, sector, a specific niche? Were there specific things you were looking for in regards to your own personal investing? Right. So, so definitely, given that I, I come from an electrical engineering computer science focus, for me, uh, you know, IT or, or technology surrounding IT was great. Um, anything to do with software or hardware was amazing because I had some deep technical knowledge. My business knowledge was limited and I've developed that over the years, but because I couldn't do diligence, a lot of the other items, I would always gravitate towards things that were deep technology focused because I could do diligence, those items, and at least know if we had a substantial product. Since then, I have realized that I was going about things the wrong way and product is probably like lower on my list, probably in the middle or on the low side in my due diligence list. I now look at the, given that I invest early stages, there isn't a lot of financial data to look at. Um, I now look specifically for the market, the team and the traction. That's what I look at. Like that, those are the three things I look at. Product doesn't even figure in the first three because I realized that product can change it lot from seed to series B to series C and, and to exit. And there's no way to know that, but, but the kind of team you're looking at, the grit they have, and, and this might sound cliche, but the type of experience the team has, that is very substantial. Market size is another substantial thing and traction, obviously, to see if there's market validation or product market fit. So those are three things that I look at first and then look at the product. And I used to look at the product first because I was an engineer, So for and I didn't understand everything else. So, so that's how my thesis was, and this is how the thesis is now, and it's evolved. And based on what you just shared, then the company's ability to pivot because that product changes throughout the various stages is probably, talk, you know, that's probably critical. It is, and I think that all ties into the team and their experience and how they've faced adversity in the past. Yeah. So that's the personal side of things. Let's get into, talk a little bit about what Tech Coast Angels LA is about, and then a little bit about, you know, the companies that they look for and invest in and how that process works. Yeah. So since I became president of Tech Coast Angels, uh, the Los Angeles chapter, essentially um, I have talked to multiple different people on what their philosophies are on looking at due diligence. And one thing is clear that as people get more experienced in angel investing, their philosophies do change. You know, there's no one that comes in with one set philosophy and then that's it all through. Uh, Some people gravitate towards certain things more than others, but I will say that the team traction and market continue to remain cornerstones for every single experienced angel investor. Uh, Some people will be, uh, you know, bigger sticklers for term sheets. They like to look at every single term. Some people would like, look, like to look at product in detail. Someone like me would go through every 
you know, to every module and want to look at the software and everything. And it might be too much for certain other people. They might, they might say, I only look at contract documents. I don't look at, you know, the hardware or the software. I'm the exact opposite. I don't care about contract documents. I let the lawyers take a look at those and I want to look at the software. And so uh, everyone has their particular niche that they really, really like to dig into. But there are certain cornerstones, like I said, traction, team, market that everyone looks at. So that's the common piece if at Tech Coast Angels, if that helps. Okay. And like what stage? Is there a specific stage that Tech Coast Angels looks at? Pre-seed and seed. Pre-seed and seed, given that we're angel investors. Uh, sometimes we'll, we'll follow along in Series A. Um, and in some cases, we've led Series A rounds. Uh, Series B is probably our maximum at which we'll invest. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, small checks alongside. We also have an internal chapter fund, so that might invest. But I think we, I don't remember us investing in a Series C or D ever. Uh, series B sometimes, Series A more frequently than that. And then pre-seed and seed is where most of our deals are. And getting into the A or B, that's probably companies that you're following up on that you prior you invested in prior. Or yes, something. we're we're either doing follow-on rounds, or it's just been the case where they need some bridge financing for an extension. Might also be a case where we become part of a round because um, uh, one of our members is a is a partner at a VC fund, and you know they just want some extra checks from their friends, and that yeah. happens too. So. Sure. How common is it then, uh, like you have a fund, uh, if the, you know, the board or the committee for the fund established that, you know, hey, this startup isn't quite one that we feel we want to invest in, are the individual, do the individual members sometimes do their own investment or their sidecar deals in addition with the fund uh, investment? There are um, uh, yes and yes to both. Okay. Individual members do exist, uh, do invest alongside the fund, and sometimes individual members do form sidecar funds to invest, so SPVs or, or roll-up vehicles, depending on what they're trying to do. Um, I've seen both those cases, so yes. And uh, Techcoast Angels LA chapter, industry agnostic for the most part, or? Yes, industry agnostic, uh, definitely like technology-based business models. Um, but have invested in everything from CPG to, you know, space tech. Okay, good to know. Uh, how, how does one apply for Tech Coast Angels LA? Website, uh, go to techcoastangels.com. Um, just, you can select the chapter there and depending on where you're based, or you can just, you know, apply and then they try to fit you based on the membership um, internally. So we've got three big chapters and then a smaller one, and, and they'll, they'll put you at the right chapter based on the type of product, geography, et cetera, et cetera. They have a, a number of internal rules that they use. But if you wanted to apply, you can always select, hey, Los Angeles is where I want to be. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll share that along on the video. It'll yeah, pop up. It, it's simple, techcoastangels.com. Okay, fantastic. Let's, let's uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what do you, you talked about the team traction market that, uh, so we've kind of covered that as far as what you look for, but let's talk a little bit about decks. Cause that's usually, you know, the first thing that, you know, the investor is going to say, well, you know, after the elevator pitch is going to be, you know, we'll share the deck with me. And, uh, so what are the key things are look same things probably, but there's certain things that make a deck more attractive than others or easier to talk about what you look for in a deck. 
Uh, two things that make it more attractive for me is one, if they're talking about their traction specifically, that's very attractive because if they're going in detail, you know, um, uh, that really attracts me, obviously, because they're showing product market fit. Second thing I really like about a deck is when they have a clear roadmap. You know, people talk a lot about the present and, and sometimes they'll talk about the future, but once they talk about the future in a more meaningful, substantiated way, then that's really interesting. Clear milestones and clear milestones, that, yeah. proper data to corroborate their exit strategy, things like that. Those really help. Yeah. I know, I know you're, you know, obviously big on teams. Uh, let's talk about the teams as far as, you know, a lot of startup companies have maybe one or two founders. And, you know, there's a lot of young founders out there. What can a team do to make themselves more attractive if they are younger, don't have those years of experience? Uh, you know, what do you look at then in that case that still can sell you on a team? Yeah, if they can innovate. So young, one of the big advantages younger folks have is they have an understanding that's 20 years ahead of the older folks, you know? So um, that they should use to their advantage. If they have a technical advantage, if they have a design advantage, if they have a um, consumer sentiment advantage, uh, if they're targeting a market that relates more to that founding team, there are many different ways to differentiate yourself, even if you're younger. Um, and, and many a times it's a positive if, if it's presented correctly. So if they use that timeline advantage in their business, I mean, I wouldn't take a 20-year-old person going after an oil and gas refinery, right? Uh, it's an old business, but I would take someone who's building, a, uh, I don't know, an analytics platform for TikTok. I mean, and, and they had personal experience and they could share that. That would be great. So there are definite advantages to being young. I mean, they, that's not always a bad thing. What's the best way for the young startups that aren't in revenue to to build that that team you know whether it be you know advisory board i know a lot of times it's is suggested to try to get those advisory board members that have maybe some of that more experience or round out if the founder is a technical person and they don't have that you know marketing background or business background what what are some of your thoughts on that oh 100 i agree with you jerry that's exactly how i think about it too that find people with complementary skills and that really helps yeah. And when it comes to advisory boards, uh, you know, I get this asked this a lot and you probably do as well. Do what's typical? Do companies give up a little bit of equity? Do they what what do you suggest for startups that are in that position? Because the equity thing is, you know, something you want to be cautious of. But at the same time, if you don't have the cash to pay somebody who, you know, is a former CEO of a major company to come on board as an advisor, you know, what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, my thoughts are um, that, you know, there's certain standards out there and depends. It's very much a case by case thing, um, depending the role between advisor and founder can be nebulous at times. If an advisor is truly passive, depending on the number of hours they put in each week, there are standards out there that will take you from a quarter percent to a percent of equity. Right. That's the standard. But if someone has a more active role, then things can change and it's up for negotiation. Um, I definitely feel that there's no set in stone standard unless you know exactly what the advisor's role is. And if you set those roles, then there are 
all types of standards out there. A quarter to a percent is the most common that I've seen. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, and that kind of brings me around to kind of backtracking again and asking in regards to, you know, Tech Coast Angels and the structure there, are there specific uh, terms that you prefer or are you open to pretty much convertible safe notes? I mean, pretty much doesn't matter. You just look at it on an individual case by case basis. 100%. Okay. Okay. I'm going to kind of close it out. I do want to ask you the one question we kind of like to ask. If a startup approaches you for the first time, whether it be in person, whether it be a LinkedIn message or an email, what's one thing that sticks out to you that may make you more open and more comfortable that's going to get your attention from a startup when they first approach you? Well, the biggest thing is if they already have uh, some type of traction and they highlight that, that really catches my attention because it's rare to find seed stage startups that have traction. So that's a big differentiator. The second differentiator, and if they have these, both of these, then it's an immediate, you know, just come and see me immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have another uh, name brand investor that's on already on the round, so. Traction's been mentioned a lot. So I am gonna ask you one more question. Yes. Yeah, give, give some of the startup founders that are watching this an idea of what various means of traction can be because there's various means, whether it's, you know, customer users, uh, LOIs, whatever it might be. What are some of the key traction components that you like to see when a startup is, you know, sharing their information with you? Yeah. So essentially traction is a shoe in for product market fit. Let me put it that way. Um, That doesn't mean that it's always revenue. Revenue is probably the holy grail for traction. If you have revenue, that's perfect. You don't have to prove a lot more. Um, If you don't have revenue, then you can use all kinds of indirect metrics, whether it's users on your platform. Uh, If you're running a freemium model, maybe you have some users that will convert later. Um, If you don't don't have that, that's for maybe a consumer business. For an enterprise business, you could have signed contracts, signed uh, purchase orders. You could have letters of intent signed. Uh, for products that are deep tech, like life sciences, you will not be at revenue for years and years to come. So then it could be early clinical data, proof of concept data. It could be early FDA approval data. It could be early customer LOIs. Number of different things that indicate an early product market fit is exactly what we're looking for. Good. And, that, and that's helpful. I appreciate you sharing that because I know traction is something you've mentioned, mentioned numerous times throughout our, our visit here. So a lot of startups really don't understand, okay, what do they mean by traction? Because they're still kind of learning the nuances or don't quite understand it. So that that's a great overview of, of what traction can be for the company. So again, Sonny, I appreciate your taking the time to visit with us today. Uh, hopefully the startups have gotten some great you know, information and content where they can take it to heart and know how they can move forward with some of the things they're doing. Uh, Look forward to seeing you at future events and on future panels. It's always a pleasure to, you know, be able to be involved with you in that way at the different uh, things that are happening within our ecosystem. And thank you for your support of the ecosystem, because I think you're doing tremendous things, not only as the president of Tech Coast Angels, but individually as a person, I know that you're a large supporter of the startup ecosystem here and, you know, greatly appreciate that. I appreciate it too, Jerry. And, and likewise, 
Uh, thank you for the compliments. I'm just a regular person off the street, and I appreciate your candor and inviting me on this podcast. I really do. And, and that's why you deserve the compliments, because you are just one of those normal guys, but yet, you know, make yourself so accessible and help those startups. So kudos to you. And thank thanks you. again, Sonny, for your time. Thank you, Jerry. Talk to you later.